You're listening to Dairy Voice, a podcast exclusively for the dairy industry. One of our sponsors of the Dairy Voice podcast is National DHIA. NDHIA ensures information accuracy and represents their members' interests. They are the direct voice for the dairy information industry. To find out more, go to dhia.org. When your goal is to help animals reach their full potential, health matters. Diamond V offers a fresh perspective on animal health, a perspective that supports gut health, strengthens immunity, and ultimately enhances performance. For those who choose to invest in keeping healthy animals healthy, Feeding Diamond V makes a statement about another dimension of profit, where margins are measured by confidence in your future. To get a fresh perspective, visit diamondv.com because animal health deserves a healthier approach. Welcome to the Dairy Voice podcast. I'm your host, Joel Hastings, and I'm very pleased to return to the microphone for this episode. Our guest today is making a real difference in the dairy industry today. She's Barbara O'Brien, President and CEO of Dairy Management Inc., or DMI, the National Dairy Checkoff Organization funded by dairy farmers across the country. Barb, welcome back to Dairy Voice. Thanks so much, Joel. It's great to hear your voice. As we begin a new year, 2023, it marks your first anniversary, really, in your leadership role at DMI. Give us a few highlights of what you've learned and and maybe how DMI is different today than it was when you uh, assumed your new position. Thank you, Joel. And and I'll tell you, it's been an amazing first year. And I want to start out by saying how grateful I am to the board of directors of DMI for giving me this opportunity, for their confidence in me as their new CEO. What an amazing opportunity to build on the success of the checkoff program over the last 25 years. As you all know, I did a listening tour in the early months of of my CEO uh, role and came away feeling that the checkoff was at an important inflection point. We had a once in a checkoff lifetime opportunity to assess what what it was gonna take to succeed in the future. At the foundation of the whole is this amazing partnership between farmers, the National Dairy Board and the United Dairy Industry Association. You know, with that as our base, uh, there was so much that we could do to strengthen both the operation to drive greater efficiency and to focus our priorities in a way that uh, allows us to drive more impact for the farmers. So I'll tell you, I started out uh, really with four key uh, objectives. One was to steady the ship, you know, from an operational standpoint to make sure uh, the systems and the focus was in place to deliver every day. Uh, part of that was breaking down functional and, and organizational silos. Over the years, the checkoff has evolved. 16 state and regional units, the national program, and then the global operations. So how do we ensure Uh, We're not working in isolation of each other, but instead are working, driving synergies, and again, hand in glove to deliver for farmers. The third area I focused in on was our strategic, uh, the important strategic work to do to clarify across the system our priority areas of work. And I think I've talked previously with you about Aspire, driving action through sustainability, people, innovation, reputation, and exports. 
And then the fourth area was a continuation of that of that listening tour, a commitment to work more closely with farmers on our boards and beyond, and to ensure we were engaging in a way that was transparent and meaningful to the farmer owners. You know, just a fantastic, a fantastic opportunity this first year. Well, I'm sure it was uh, an exciting and challenging time for you. Let's talk about a couple of the priorities that you've identified that uh, were highlights in in the year past. Uh, Some are a little bit what I would call unconventional. And maybe the first one we can speak about is a new collaboration with the Mayo Clinic. Let's talk about that. I'm a game changing, Joel, for sure. You know, when I reflect on it, one of the most important roles that I feel DMI and the National Dairy Council play is to serve as the foundation of science for the broader industry, for dietary guidance purposes, for research and development, for innovation, and increasingly in this sustainability area. But importantly, science, like every other aspect of the program, needs to evolve over time. It needs to take advantage of technology and other partners. You know, so it wasn't about science that is academic or for publication purposes. Those are both important, but it was really about an eye to commercializing the science on farmers' behalf. Mayo is a household name. They have a rock solid reputation. And frankly, they are as excited about this collaboration as we are. That said, they're super selective in terms of who they work with. I think it's a testament to the National Dairy Council's reputation, to the investment farmers have made over time, that they agreed um, to this collaboration as warmly as we did. You know, as I look at sort of the scope of work, it's it's really uh, three key areas. Um, first, it's in the research area. So building on the work we do through the dairy centers, we're going to work with Mayo to discover how dairy foods, particularly whole milk dairy, impacts cardiovascular health and metabolic conditions. We're also in the future over the next five years, because it is a five-year relationship, we'll look at new areas like anxiety and calm, sleep, digestive health, and importantly, the area of immunity, which is critical, I think, coming out of uh, the last few years. They've also agreed to work with us in the communications arena, and they will help bring their credibility um, to our strong body of science, new research and insights with the scientific community, with health and with health and wellness professionals, and ultimately with consumers. They have an enormous following. Third area, Joel, is looking at what we can do together and exploring dairy's role through digital platforms that can help people understand and, and apply health and wellness science to as a way to customize or precisely manage their wellness. This whole area of precision wellness is uh, is up and coming and dairy needs to play in that space. So, so Mayo is going to help with that. Last thing I'll say is um, they're going to bring voice to some of the longstanding myths and help us once and for all debunk some of those longstanding misperceptions of the category. And again, feel that they can bring a level of confidence as a third party to our business. That last component that you just mentioned is uh, so exciting, really, for me. My whole career in dairy, we've had to battle against the, uh, as you say, the myths and the misperceptions 
the whole issue of, of dairy fat. So it's very exciting that uh, an organization like Mayo is going to help with that. Absolutely. You know, Joel, um, we were up there in November and I sat next to the head of administration and the head of the cardiovascular department, the physician who runs that area. We talked at length about the fat situation and, and starting at the top, I will say he will help bring voice to sort of the misinformation that has uh, emerged over the last 30 years. He was a real believer in the in the power and the potential of dairy fat being different, which is which is how we increasingly talk about it. You mentioned that uh, dairy farmers accompanied you in these meetings. Uh, talk about the interaction of the dairy farmers themselves with these medical professionals. Oh, it was magical, Joel. It was amazing to watch. Mayo is based in Rochester, Minnesota. The family has farming roots. This incredible medical campus is surrounded by rural Minnesota. The experience, the setting itself, um, had such important connecting points. The farmers that were with us, there were two I will call out. One of them is a patient at the Mayo Clinic. The other woman, the, the, the farmer who was with us, had a medical background. She had worked in the medical field over the years. It was as easy an interaction. It was like they just, they all spoke each other's language. Being able to talk about farm, the farm experience, production practices, technology on the farm. In the same breath, we were talking about, you know, the growing use of technology in the medical field, the importance of data. You know, it just, it was a seamless conversation. You know, I, I traveled up to uh, Rochester. I think it was a group of maybe a dozen of us. They had maybe 15 people in the room and a real cross-section of professionals. And, you know, it, it was like we had known each other for 10 years. It was magical to see that inter interaction with the farmers specifically. It was great. Let's look at another important accomplishment, uh, the continued growth of dairy exports, finishing a record year, I believe, for 2022. Uh, talk a little bit about that another record year, you know, the momentum just continues, you know, when you go back and think about the fact, U.S. Dairy Export Council was created through the checkoff in 1995. And at the time, it was really seen as an afterthought. And to your point, this year, all indications suggest we're, we're ending the year at 18% of our U.S. production is, you know, is headed into international markets. To be clear, Joel, that's one in five tankers ending up uh, products and ingredients sold overseas. We all recognize the importance or the compliment that that export marketplace brings what is already a dominant domestic opportunity for growth. From a strategic standpoint, you know, you talk about dairy farmers and the importance of them having voice in the work. Beyond being a, a primary funder of U.S. DEC, Dairy farmers sit on their board and um, they bring voice. Um, they help guide the priorities throughout the year um, that U.S. DEC focuses on. They're front and center in terms of U.S. DEC's trade missions. And, you know, importantly, they bring face as they travel across the world. They bring face to the people who are behind the product, the people producing this nutritious and safe product for international customers and consumers. You know, I do also want to acknowledge uh, over the years, U.S. DEC, in addition to being based here in Washington, D.C., 
They have established offices in 10 international markets. So we have staff who serve as the eyes and ears, identifying opportunities, monitoring the business climate. And, and as we know, that has been extremely volatile over the last few years. They understand the regulatory environment and what it's going to take for U.S. dairy to thrive. Those offices, just so the your listening audience knows, we're talking about Mexico and Central America, China, Japan, the Middle East, Southeast Asia, Vietnam, Hong Kong, South America, South Korea, uh, and Europe. Um, so fantastic presence. Last thing on the numbers, just so uh, you know, we focus there. Despite the challenges of this last year, U.S. dairy export value after the first 10 months of 2022 stood at $8.08 billion which uh, is significantly above last year's record, Joel, which was $7.75 And that represented 12 months of business. So we're not even done looking at the results for 2022. Cheese, along with ingredients, um, have, have a lot of upside opportunity. And I expect that uh, you feel that while growth is obviously the goal, and we won't ask you to predict a percentage, but you feel that growth potential is, is right there. Absolutely. You know, we're going to need to deal with continued volatility. You know, I think Krista Harden, the CEO, would tell you every market is different in terms of where they are from an economic and a import standpoint. Um, so it really does take a customized approach. Krista's bullish, I'm bullish. And importantly, the DMI board, who ultimately makes the decision around um, investment, they're bullish. And you, you know, you'll continue to see more of our investment and or energy focused on that export opportunity. Let's shift gears back to the US and uh, food service and restaurant chain partnerships have been an important part of DMI activities. And you've uh, initiated a new relationship, particularly focused on getting cheese on chicken. Tell us a little bit about that. It's an exciting one, Joel, for sure. This food service strategy that is a decade, you know, it's it's been in place for about a decade. I think farmers would tell you it is one of the most exciting and measurable aspects of the program where we can quantify volume impact year over year. And those are the, the ongoing relationships with Domino's, McDonald's, and Taco Bell. This year, um, through our research, we identified chicken and cheese as an untapped area of opportunity, and importantly, a fast-growing opportunity as chicken, the chicken wars are active here in the U.S. The research revealed that, that these chains, um, particularly the top five chains, were missing out on a big opportunity, a, a key ingredient, and that was a slice of cheese. You know, let me give you a couple of numbers just to put the opportunity in context. There are roughly 3 billion chicken sandwiches produced by the top five U.S. chicken chains every year. About 2.3 billion of those are produced or served without a slice of cheese. And when you look at that compared to burgers, 85% of hamburgers today are served with a slice of cheese. Enormous upside. If those 20% of chicken sandwiches, if even just 10% of those had a slice of cheese, we'd estimate it represents 
about 70 million incremental pounds of milk moved through those outlets. And again, we think the opportunity is much greater than that. So we've begun a new partnership with a, with a company called Raising Canes. They were founded in Baton Rouge, Louisiana in the mid-90s, 1996. And at this point, they primarily have a, a footprint in the Southeast, about 700 restaurants in the Southeast, but they are expanding quickly into the Midwest. And we think it's going to it's gonna expand beyond that. And part of what's appealing to us, Joel, is the fact that they are a Gen Z, you know, that younger consumer, nine to 23 years old, they are a Gen Z favorite. You know, our outreach um, to Raising Cane's was much like we've used in the past. We share values. We are committed to growth. It's about shared investment. And it's about filling gaps where the marketplace is, is looking for new fun ideas. So cheese is a perfect match for their menu. Importantly, we're going to also explore uh, dairy-based beverages, new side menu items, and sauces. So very excited about the potential of this new partnership. You mentioned younger consumers, and another component of uh, DMI activities this past year has been on the social media front. Let's talk a little bit about that. Boy, has this world changed. And I think you and I have talked about the evolution in, uh, in media and in uh, you know, digital, the digital world uh, in previous discussions. It's become our primary focus uh, in, in terms of an avenue of communication for reaching this critical and growing cohort. Gen Z, we know they, through our research, we know they're uh, increasingly focused on climate change. They have growing buying power, not only as purchasers themselves, but they continue to influence, you know, the purchases of the family overall. You know, this last year we've used, we've used social and digital influencers to help tell the environmental story uh, on behalf of farmers. Um, I know you recognize the name Mr. Beast, Jimmy Donaldson, who is a gamer extraordinaire. He's become hugely popular on YouTube. We worked with him again this fall to help tell the environmental story. And, you know, I'll tell you, uh, it was a program around National Farmers Day. It became the number one trending video on YouTube. We had 3 million viewers in the first 24 hours between his fellowship the fact that he has visited farms and, and saw firsthand what uh, care and stewardship farmers give to animals and the land, you know, he became a, a fa fabulous advocate. Let me just mention, complementing sort of this gamer Mr. Beast strategy, we've established a broader team of, uh, we call them the Dairy Dream Team, but, but they're influencers, chefs, recipe developers, gamers, and other, other lifestyle influencers who combined have about a 25 million uh, social followership. You know, we work with them on an ongoing basis. We work with them nationally, and then the state and regional system has another 100 or so influencers that they use. Again, it's all about using third-party voices. You know, I'll just highlight another exciting result of this last year, one of the chef influencers started the butterboard craze. 
that we saw happen on TikTok uh, this fall. Again, enormous results. We actually served butter boards at our annual meeting this year to let the farmers have a firsthand experience of the craze. I'll tell you, I have observed sort of an extension on that craze. It's not just butter boards now. It's cream cheese boards. It's, it's whipped cream boards. You know, the, the opportunities are endless in terms of uh, getting consumers involved in fun, exciting, and new dairy opportunities that they can serve at home. So yes, social media, digital media is central to the business. I can testify from my personal experience uh, in family life, I've had a chance to spend a good bit of time with grandniece and grandnephew ages 10 and 7. If we want to reach them with TV advertising, forget it. They are on their devices. They follow YouTube. It is remarkable. What, is, what goes on there uh, hasn't <laughs> makes an impression, that's for sure. You know, we have said that, Joel, you know, that we've encouraged our farmer owners to talk to their children, their grandchildren, and that generation can attest to the fact that that's, that's where they're, they're getting their news, they're getting their entertainment, they're interacting with their friends. I mean, it is a comprehensive platform for communications for these kids. Let's step back a moment. We've talked about what's happened in your first year. As you look ahead, not only to 2023, but beyond, what are some of your ambitions? Uh, what are some of your priorities? Uh, what will we in the dairy industry, particularly dairy farmers, see changing with DMI? Well, let me talk about what's not going to change first, and then I'll talk about what is going to change. What's not going to change, Joel, is my commitment to listen and to be on the road, to visit farms, uh, to visit with farmers in small groups, large groups, and beyond. You know, one of my goal, one of my goals I call assuring farmer fingerprints. That is all about farmers feeling greater ownership of the program, listening to the issues, concerns, and observations they have around the program, and taking that input and, and assuring that it's reflected in this next year's plan and our plans of the future. So listening is number one, and farmers seeing their input reflected in the programs themselves. Um, the second thing that's not going to change, Aspire, um, the strategic framework that we developed as a checkoff leadership across the whole system, that is going to remain our set of strategic priorities. And again, it's sustainability, people, innovation, reputation, and exports. We've got a new three-year plan, and that is the foundation of that next three-year plan. Another important priority, something you'll see, you know, given the level of turnover that we have seen, and I'm sure you'd confirm this, incredible um, shifts in leadership at many of our cooperatives, many of our processing organizations. Another key priority for me is to get on the road and meet top to top with, with CEOs and the executive teams of our key co-ops. I'm calling it a checkoff roadshow. I want those organizations to understand how we're evolving check off the knowledge and resources available to help inform their strategic growth plans. And importantly, I want to understand their priorities. On farmers' behalf, you know, look for the synergies and opportunities for us to, to support those organizations in growing the business together. You know, we're here, this incredible investment that farmers make. Let's make sure it's 
being leveraged fully. Beyond that, we're going to see ongoing work with our Dairy Dream Team as uh, we continue to leverage influencers, third-party voices to bring voice to the work of farmers, product, new product opportunities, new menu opportunities. You're going to see us launch some new partnerships, not at the scale of our food service partnerships, but importantly, we're going to work with top health and wellness publications like Baby Center, What to Expect When You're Expecting, and an online service called Healthline. Joel, we are going to focus increasingly on the first thousand days of a child's life to ensure that dairy is central to the nutrition of that child. We're working with um, some new health organizations or renewing our relationships with the National Medical Association, the American Pediatric Association. So this these new partnerships with Baby Center and what to expect and our ongoing work with the health professional groups is very focused on dairy's role early in a child's life. New e-commerce programs with Instacart, Amazon, and Walmart. You saw us doing more and more of that over the last few years. We're going to continue to do that. From a food service standpoint, Taco Bell has been partner since the early teens. You know, I want to say it was 2011, 2012 or so. I'll tell you that partnership continues to deliver. We piloted in 2022 the Grilled Cheese Burrito, an exciting opportunity for incremental growth. In 2023, they're going to make the grilled cheese burrito a permanent menu item. So very excited about that. Amazon Fresh, as a complement to our existing work with Amazon, today, we, we or the last few years, we have served as a knowledge source for Amazon, but primarily their online shopping experience, their e-commerce experience. We're now going to become a knowledge source. We're going to help them set the shelves in, in their bricks and mortar stores. Um, today, they have about 42 physical Amazon fresh stores. Dairy Checkoff is going to be their, their resource for new products, for shelf set, and for promotion of dairy products. So those are just a few of the, uh, of the new and or growing opportunities coming through this plan. Well, Barb, it sounds like exciting times ahead, and we really appreciate you taking time to share your experiences and your foresights with us uh, on Dairy Voice. Thank you. Thank you. I, I appreciate the opportunity and, uh, and look forward to uh, talking throughout the year. On Dairy Voice today, we've been speaking with Barbara O'Brien, President and CEO of Dairy Management, Inc., DMI, the checkoff organization funded by U.S. Dairy Farmers. This is Joel Hastings for Dairy Voice. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you join us again.